Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on thebigscreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown, he's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Doc Blitz. How's the rest of the song go all of a sudden? Now we're clashing together movie music. We start with From Russia with Love, then we work our way into Dr. No. We don't have the budget. We don't have the musical uh, expertise to do it. This uh, introduction <laughs> song has been interrupted by a very low-key, low-talent edition of a James Bond melody. Medley. That's how it all feels, and that's the kind of reaction that you have when one of the two members of this podcast has been to see No Time to Die, and we're already thinking about the future. Boy, that low bass in the background, that's pretty nice. It's like Dwayne Eady, it's pretty good. <laughs> so we've got a whole big stuffed edition of Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Who has seen it? I have not. But we're talking about what is and what could be down the road. There could be, to some degree, spoilers forthcoming, because we are talking Bond. But uh, Rick and Nick Talk Flicks, this is going to be fun. It's sponsored by the Bemidji Theater, and it's a great spot to go see the brand-new movie, No Time to Die. You went and saw it. You had, saw it there, I'm assuming. Yes. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. And I have not seen the movie. That's right. And I did indeed go to the Bemidji Theater this past weekend. It was two days ago now as of when we are recording this podcast episode. And I have seen No Time to Die. And did you coming, get an icy? Coming up. Yes, I did get oh, an icy. good. I did. I love ICs. <laughs> coming up later in this episode, uh, we are going to have a portion where we're going to do the same thing that we did when Tenet came out. I'll be stepping out. Right. And I will be giving a very spoiler-heavy bit of intel and first reaction to no time to die and literally i am still processing the movie in many ways but we uh, we will get to that later on in the episode where i will give a review of the episode uh, i'll give a review of the movie i'll give a review of maybe how it even ties into our episode here a little bit today but um i will have a review for those of you who have seen the movie and want to listen at that point we will have a time marker indicated of this is the time where it starts if you haven't seen the movie yet and you want to make sure to leave that spoiler-filled portion out. No worries. We will have kind of like a double wall of spoilers here because we are going to talk some Bond things. There are some things that are already public, even those that have not seen the movie yet, and that includes me, that I know certain things that are kind of part of the publicity of it. That if you don't want to know anything about the movie, maybe just be aware. Spoilers are coming. And then the second wall, we're going to outright, or Hoove will outright spoil the movie. We'll let you know before we get there. So if you need to turn it off at a certain time, and that includes me, I'll be walking out of that part. Uh, we'll get there. So lots of Bond to talk about. But one of the things we're going to get to is where Bond is going to go from here and who that will be. Because that's kind of one of the big selling points of this. This is the swan song of Daniel Craig in his five outings as 007. And we can't look toward the future without paying a little respect to where we've been going over the last five movies 
and an ode to Daniel Craig. That's right. And I will say, too, and I, I think I can safely say this, Dave, without it being much of a spoiler, um, given how No Time to Die plays out, there are a wealth of possibilities for what is ahead in the future, which is, the more I think about it, is more and more exciting to think about, too. And so that's why we're doing this episode today, and that's why we've got a lot of ideas today on where the James Bond character will go. But like you said, we really do have to start with Daniel Craig. I, I think it, it's only fitting that we start with the guy who has had this position for the last 15 years now, given when No Time to Die has now come out. It's been 15 years. Craig has been Bond longer than anybody else in terms of length of time. Number of movies, he's not to the level of where Roger Moore was in that regard, but... They were making movies every other year at that point, you know, but he's been Bond for 16 years. Yeah. Casino Royale came out in 2006. That's right. And it's 2021 now. That was, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah, and it is amazing how much nuance the Bond character has had in these movies, nuance that had never been there before. Remember Casino Royale? That One of the reasons why that movie was so good was that we got an emotional depth to Bond that had never been seen before. And that that struck people because that was a big departure from the just churning out another movie kind of feel that the Pierce Brosnan movies had concluded on, really, in their last few outings. They, they had been listless, lifeless, and some in some ways, heartless as well. Like, there just wasn't a lot of heart that was there. Casino Royale changed that in a major way. Even in some respects, Quantum of Solace changed that because it, it continued on from where Casino Royale had left off. Skyfall brought that. Spectre brought that in, in ways that had not been seen before with the James Bond character. And Daniel Craig's portrayal, that, that grittier Bond, that, that tougher, more rugged Bond, had, along with all of that, a lot of heart. And a lot of depth. And they created some very in-depth movies. Of course, Casino Royale and Skyfall, they have been they have been the two just that that are among the great ones in, in the pantheon of movies that, that have been put together here for the James Bond series. Um, and they they got there by partially by way of the emotional weight of them. Yeah, I agree. I you know, Bond has always been a flawed character, but usually very varnished. And Teflon almost. It just doesn't stick to him. And then it took a little turn with Timothy Dalton, who actually was, in a way, kind of a precursor to what Daniel Craig was going to bring, a grittier, more realistic Bond, where you could see the weight of things pushing down on him for this reason or another reason, particularly his revenge mission and license to kill. But that version of Bond, late 80s, didn't really play as well, for whatever reason. Daniel Craig... And those movies didn't play as well. Yeah, general. there's there's truth to that. I think The Living Daylights is the better of those two, but License to Kill broke the Bond formula, and there are some that have done it. The License to Kill was one of those Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Skyfall clearly broke that mold. You know, and so it's kind of hit or miss when you break that mold. Some people love and think it's maybe the best of the bunch on Her Majesty's Secret Service. I love that movie. It's a great movie. I love it. And others think because it breaks the mold, well, it's not really a Bond movie, but then you have to lump Skyfall into that because it doesn't really follow the mold, the formula, you know. So it's hit or miss. And it was the same thing with the Bonds. Daniel Craig did kind of a version of what, you know, he didn't try to emulate Timothy Dalton, but it was a grittier, more emotionally burdened, uh, less varnished version, much more reality-based version of Bond. And even, even Timothy Dalton did a lot of his own stunts 
to prove that it really is him and that he's really a tough guy that can be very, you know, stylish, but he can hurt you too. And you also need to kind of go back to the very beginning of the beginning where when it was announced in what, 2004 maybe, 2003, 2004, somewhere in there, that Daniel Craig was going to be the new Bond. What a pushback there was. Craig is not Bond because he's blonde and because he's this and he shouldn't be. Look at he looked kind of weird and all kinds of this stupid blonde, stuff. Blonde, blue-eyed Bond. Yeah. yeah. Who cares? Who's saying that now? No. Clearly, the last 15 years, James Bond has been in very good hands. I was just talking to a friend a little bit the other day about this this coming movie, and my friend was like, yeah, Daniel Craig's my favorite one out of all the Bonds. And I was like, mine too. I mean, there are a lot of people, I think, who feel the same way, who have who have maybe gotten gotten into the James Bond series during the course of Daniel Craig's run, and who associate Craig with the character, not just because he's been James Bond during this time, much like others before. I mean, I know of people who associate Pierce Brosnan with the character, sure. even though those movies didn't quite, it didn't hit, really. These movies, they hit, and Daniel Craig hit as well, and that was a big reason why it worked so well. well. I agree. Uh, Roger Moore was Bond when I got into the Bond movies, and I have a special place. The very first movie, Bond movie I ever saw was Octopussy, so it's it's got a special place for me. And so does Roger Moore. But I've seen all of them numerous times. I've got high points and low points. I think with, you know, Casino Royale was a great stunning out, you know, wow, what a shot out of the gate. But Skyfall, for me, almost cemented it that I think Daniel Craig threw his hat in the ring as maybe the best Bond there is. I got to think, and I don't want to diss anybody. Everyone, you know, the original is the best and Sean Connery, and he was absolutely nailed that part. But also, those movies were a product of their time, like all of the Bond movies are. They're made to look, as time moves on, dated. I mean, look how cutting edge the Pierce Brosnan era was. And now, those movies look dated a a little bit. But that's part (laughs) of the appeal. You watch, you know, the most, wow, that's amazing, 1962 Dr. No, it looks very dated. But that's kind of the appeal. As you go and watch these movies sequentially, it's like watching the the wave crest through time. The passage of time. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, unfortunately with Craig, he is a product of his era, and so were those movies. And they are, at times, a little hokey, a little, eh. Connery. Yeah. But, you know, you can't, you got to take them for what they were. And Connery nailed it. But I think, I think Craig has got him by an eyelash. Because it's very gritty, very realistic. Yes, they're made the way they are today. We'll see in 20 years from now how the Craig era is holding up. Well, it's dated a lot. Maybe. Sure, very well. But let's see. And they found the heart amidst the action. And the action set pieces have been spectacular here in this run of movies. And they really needed to find something to do. You know, after Die Another Day, the last one with with Pierce Brosnan, which was not the best of the movies, they were trying to go in a direction that Bond probably shouldn't have gone, and they think they realized it, and they kind of did a reset in a lot of ways, and they found it. And the Craig era, even if Quantum of Solace is probably the black sheep of the family here, it's probably the weakest of his five, even that wasn't horrible. And it was largely subject to the writer's strike, but they made all five of them work. Yep. Not one of them tanked. And uh, the, I think they found something to work. So if it's not broken and you were looking for a way to fix the franchise and you have found it, don't stray too far from where we have very recently been. Find uh, something to shift it a little bit to make it distinguished other than just the actor, but don't stray too far. You found something here. Yeah, Craig revitalized the franchise in many ways. And yet, like you, you said there at the end, Dave, don't stray too far from the formula. But 
I also did mention there's a lot of great possibility, I think, that exists for the Bond franchise moving forward, which we'll get to a little bit later on. But we're here to talk names today. We're going to throw out there a lot of the candidates we're gonna, who could be Bond, places where people are talking and names that people are talking about. We're going to throw a lot of names out there. We're going to kind of evaluate person by person a little bit. Um, we're going to... Maybe drop in a few of our own ideas, maybe a little bit less so in that regard, but um, we've got a lot of names to discuss here. But we did want to tip the cap to Daniel Craig on his way out the door first as well. Job well done, Commander yes, Bond. Indeed. And by the way, did Commander you hear Bond. that he got the honorary rank in real life? Did he? Of Commander, a re- honorary rank cool. of Commander Daniel Craig. So that he can match up with Commander Bond. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he's going to stand in and command a submarine, but no. theoretically he could, so long as the commander's standing next to him. But it yes. could be fun. Yeah, since it's an honorary title, I'd say get the real guy actually there rather than the honorary one, too. So job well done to Daniel Craig. Indeed. 15 years, five movies, great job. I think Skyfall, and I haven't seen the new one yet, so I'm speaking somewhat ignorantly here, but thus far Skyfall is my favorite of his bunch. Uh, job well done, but now we got to start looking to the future. And I think the first name we got to jump into is not a secret. Yes. Because it's where we're talking about with this new movie. We're going to remind you spoilers forthcoming. So, and I haven't seen this movie, but you don't, I don't think need to have seen this movie to know this spoiler coming. James Bond, or at least at the beginning of the movie, is not 007. Correct. Yes. Not 007. That belongs to Lashana Lynch who is in that role as far as taking on the double O. And you might remember her from Captain Marvel. She was the other pilot along with Brie Larson's Captain Marvel character. But, you know, at the end of Spectre, Bond, it appears, is leaving the service. Well, he did leave the service. And I do know that he's kind of in retirement and he's pulled back. And I know there's a scene in the trailer that I saw where he goes up to the reception desk or whatever at MI6. My name is James Bond. Bond. James Bond. I'm sorry, sir, we don't have you, Red, or whatever it was. But no, the, so, guy, the guy just stares at him. Yeah, the double o, he left 007. So it's like when 009 gets killed, well, we got to get at somebody else. Who's the next 00? And he goes to 009. Well, it's no different with 007. So there's an opening. Somebody had to fill it. So Lashana Lynch's character, I don't even remember, I don't even know what a real name character is, takes over the role of 007. Nomi. Nomi. Okay, well, I haven't seen the movie. So, so Nomi takes over the role of 007. So is that the answer right there? Well, this is where we take a segue before we start going into names. Daniel Craig has said it, and not just about James Bond, but there's been things said about all kinds of different characters. Well, what about if we do some new actor to take over Indiana Jones, but we're going to change the role and make it more modern, blah, blah, blah. There are some characteristics that just are what 007 slash James Bond needs to be. Now, just for practical sake, I haven't seen the movie but if you're going to have Lashana Lynch's character remain as 007 through the movie, well, wouldn't that lend to reason that when the next movie starts, she will still be 007? I haven't seen the movie. Don't know if she lives. Don't know if she's surrendered the title. No idea. Who will not say anything until his special secret preview at the end? Right. Um, but it leads to think if you're going to debut a new character, that that's not going to be the case. There's also the fan theory that not just the name 007, but the name itself, James Bond, might be a code phrase that may be somebody else. There's also fan theory that Sean Connery's character in The Rock is actually James Bond because he was former British secret intelligence who stole some whatever. So who Welcome knows? Welcome to The Rock. <laughs> 
there's 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 evidence to support and refute, but it's just something fun to throw out there. But uh, so if Sean Connery left and Roger Moore left and now Daniel Craig is leaving, is it just a new actor or is it a brand new British agent that's taking over not only the name of Bond as a code name but 007? Good theory to debate, but producers uh, have had their say on this a little bit, and yes. they they've even said that the James Bond character they're they they are pretty set on keeping it a James Bond character, as in a man generally. That's been that's the thought anyway. And Daniel Craig had uh, that doesn't mean that's how it'll be in the future, but that's yeah. how they are still looking at it right now. Daniel Craig had an interesting thought on on what to do about should James Bond be a woman. And he said that that may diminish the opportunity to be able to create a different female character of of notable repute of within cast proportion. Yeah, within the the context of the 007 world and being able to to carve out your own action super spy female character separate from the James Bond name that you could maybe potentially do within that. Think think Felix Leiter except on a bigger scale perhaps for what you would do as far as the the female character who you would try to create which a character like Numi could could represent or Nomi could represent that. A character like Anna de Armas's character could represent that a little bit. Somebody who maybe you would create their own persona for, their own carved out niche for, and and create a, their own stories around, which could be a possibility moving forward with with this series where you would do that maybe. In spinoff form, maybe in a side form, a sidecar coupled with the 007 world, a here's little a, bit with a character. Here's a great like that. example. Think Furiosa in Mad Max. You could Correct. Have, well, why can't Mad Max be a woman? Well, Mad Max is what Mad Max is. So they also created Furiosa, who, who's in a way, her own movie. who's getting her own movie, and in a way, is almost, for the time being anyway, moving to the forefront in the Mad Max universe. It won't be Chris, it won't be Shirley's Theron Straight again, but from the universe, yeah. here's Furiosa. Yeah. It, that's kind of what it ends up becoming. Who's to say that something doesn't happen where you get a Felix Leiter-esque character that could get... What if they made a, a Bond movie spinoff called Felix? But what if it's not Felix? What if it's this whoever right. that comes back repeatedly and over the decades you get different actresses? How many actors have played Felix Leiter? You know Jeffrey Wright is back Quite in this a few. one. Yeah. But there's been several. So why can't this be something... Where Leiter is more like an informant to Bond. You rarely, I haven't seen the new movie, of course, but you never see Felix Leiter really in action. Not really. He's giving Bond information and intel and Bond goes. Why can't this person be kind of like um, Jinx in you know the last Pierce Brosnan movie, Die Another Day, who is very much his equal in a lot of ways, but done yes. in a better way? And maybe you could carve out a series of movies sure. or, or a part a part of the franchise where you would be able to do something related to that. I think that's where Lashana Lynch could fit into this in the future. I that's that's my personal opinion on it. But um but again that's I, I think that's also where they may go as far as the role of a, a major female super spy character within the 007 world. I think this there is a real possibility for it. It just may not be in the James Bond name fashion. Because I think James Bond 
if you follow the theory that James Bond is actually the same guy, even though you suspend disbelief, there's no way that a guy could be shushing down a mountain in 1962 is still shushing down an exploding mountaintop in 2021 and beyond. We get it. We understand that. But the idea is that it's the same guy, really, going through the decades and we're just, this is this how it works. You suspend a little bit of disbelief. But Bond has to be some things. Who cares about his hair color? Who really cares too much about his ethnicity? But talking about what Bond has to be first and foremost at the dead front and center, the tallest peak of this criteria list, he has to be terribly British above all. He has to be British. Bond is big in the States. Bond, as big as he is here, is a whole lot more in the UK. Oh, yeah. If you had a Bond that was very British, how do you think that's going to... We might not care as much in the States, but in Britain, where his bread and butter is... Oh, you're talking about, nope, we're done. Nope, you could watch the first outright rejection of a James Bond character. <laughs> and I don't mean in the con- in yeah. the way they did with, Bond, Craig's not Bond. I mean, like, he did a great job. We hate him. Get somebody else. Yeah. He's got to be terribly British above all else. And that means he's got to look kind of dapper at times. It's really neat in that... You know, you can say what you want about all of them, even Roger Moore, who didn't look like he could really hurt you, but there were moments where he did kind of step out and hurt people. But doing it with a stiff upper lip isn't so well working in the 21st century, while Daniel Craig could look great in a suit, very dapper, but he could hurt you while ripping his suit apart. So let's get to some names, Dave. Right, let's, let's, let's start rolling through names. I want to start, though, with a special category. Oh, that's right. Laughers and long shots is what I'm calling it. Let, let's just get these out of our system. We, we're thinking about them. We know they are a possibility, uh, maybe even a, a super long shot, and we want to jokingly bring them up. Let's get these out of our system. Any you've got? I know you've got one that you are just sitting on a spring with, so why don't you spring off with uh, your first one? Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> God no. Shia LaBeouf. Um, his name came up when they were thinking about the new uh, young Solo when they were doing the Solo movie. Um, I, I, I know your Dave is giving me this rolling the eyes look. Yeah, his name came up and the the line was classic. They came with it. They had a picture of him next to Harrison Ford, and all it said was. If at first you don't succeed, dot, 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 from the Indiana Jones movies. Yeah, Dave is shaking his head about that for that very reason. I shouldn't even dignify it with a comment, honestly. I'll say this. Shia LaBeouf is a very talented actor, but he is like a human grenade, and he's just going to go off. And so it didn't really work so well with Indiana Jones. Uh, He's famously (laughs) clashed. His career, just because of his personal stuff, is over. Why would you tie a big franchise like this to somebody that is prepared to be an anchor at any moment? The human grenade. (laughs) Let's, no. Uh, He's great talent, but boy, he has wasted it with all, he's gone the Lindsay Lohan route in many ways. Again, that's why I said. And he's American. These are laughers and log shots. So that, that was part of it. Any you've got. Eye rollers. Well, you know, I'll tell you straight up, I didn't come in prepared to come up with something bizarre, but, uh, so I, you know, when, when Sean Connery was retiring, they were looking at all kinds of people to replace him, including Burt Reynolds. And Burt Reynolds at his peak said, no, I, no, I can't, he's, he can't be American. He has to be, like I just said, terribly British. There's no way Shia LaBeouf or Burt Reynolds or any American is going to fit into that. While some British actors can do a great American accent, yes. it just doesn't work the other way. It Not just really. doesn't. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. You know him too well. He has to be British. What if they go back to Brosnan? They're not going. Well, he's Welsh for one. So, or not Welsh. He's Irish, but it, it wouldn't matter. 
Uh, they've done Australian. They've done, uh, they looked at Sam Neill and I think he's a Kiwi. I might be mistaken, but it's under the crown anyway. I mean, the Union Jack is in their flag, so it's not British, but it's not, not British either. And they did it once with George Lazenby. So it could be Australian Kiwi, something, something. Anyway, all I really came prepared for were Brits or some degree of Brits. So I'll yes. bring up one that I think would be good, but he's not going to get it. And Tom Holland, you yes. know, because for one, he's too young. He's what is he in real life? Twenty one, twenty two, something like twenty four, twenty four. But he's also becoming very, very associated with a major character, and not to mention whatever his contract status is with Marvel playing Spider Man. They've got the new one coming out this year, Spider Man uh, no, twenty five. Actually, what's that? He's twenty five. Okay, twenty five, but still too young. Bond has to be a commander in the navy for one. That the British Royal Navy. Well, you, there's no twenty five year old commanders. I don't believe you have. That takes time to get there. You know, you're probably just getting kicked out of boot camp about the time you're 25. There's no way you'd be a commander if Chris Pine's ascension to becoming Captain Kirk happened overnight in the first, in the 2009 Star Trek reboot to the point where it was unbelievable. This is the same thing. You got to do better than that. You have to be like 30 years old minimum, you know, but I think 30 to 45, the later into your 40s you go and they're going to make you the new Bond. It might be too old if you're going to be doing more than one. You might be good for one or two. Getting really establishes the character. Once you get into your 50s, eh, that's when you need to be wrapping up your tenure. So start with somebody in their early 30s, maybe mid-30s, maybe late 30s. We'll say the 30 window. Yeah, Tom Holland is just too firmly entrenched in another major character right now, I feel like. That's that's the big distinguishing thing because Bond, usually they have gone a little bit more off the map. Like... People who have some notoriety and have been on the screen a bit, but who are generally not as attached to one character as Tom Holland is with The Amazing Spider-Man. I mean, he's just, he is Spider-Man right now, and he's done it super well. I mean, it's not like Andrew Garfield where he had a cup of coffee in the Spidey suit and now he's out. Yeah. This is different. He is Spider-Man right now, so it's just, it's hard to see him being the guy there. So he'll be in the mix, he'll be a, a name, but it's hard to see him being the next guy who gets selected. I mean, that's why I would I'd put him in the long shot category as well. Yeah, I I think don't get me wrong, I think he would be great. Now, when this next bond exits, he might be closer in age. Maybe Spider-Man is a long time in the rearview mirror at that point. Who knows? But I think if you stripped all that away, I think he would be a good bond, but he's just not there yet. Now, in the same vein, let me go to a guy who's a little bit less of a long shot, who is also someone who is well-known as a well-established character by now, Henry Cavill. What do you think about him being in there? He is, of course, played Superman, Clark Kent, and he's done it for several movies, movies that have had a checkered record in terms of how well they've done overall, but Henry Cavill has been solid as Superman, and he, he would be a guy who has a little bit of history in terms of doing a spy film because he did uh, The Man from U.N.C.L.E. and was in that one. He was also in Mission Impossible. Yes, he was. Was that Fallout? Which one was he in? It was in one of of those newer ones. Yeah, so he has a little bit of of spy movie track record attached to him. So what do you think about him being in the role? Because his is a name that is getting floated around too. Does he have too much of a, a name establishment that has been attached to another character yeah i do uh i think that you got to look at some of the past bonds you know before they were cast as bond 
you know, guys like Sean Connery, he was a bit background extra with the exception of like Darby O'Gillis and the Little People or whatever the name of the movie was. Maybe I'm thinking Leonard Nimoy, but whatever. Same thing. It was, he, nobody knew who he was. Now, Roger Moore had done the show, The Saint. Pierce Brosnan had been on Remington Steel, but it's not like those were Magnum P.I. and everybody knew who Tom Selleck was. You know, it wasn't like that. They had a level of success. Tom Selleck the, for Bond? Well, he, he actually was looked at as Bond <laughs> Just for a while when he was anyway. doing Magnum. But you, everybody had maybe a level of success. Daniel Craig had been in a Spielberg movie, but it wasn't like it was the big Spielberg movie. Munich is a great movie, but it's not one that everybody saw. And it didn't launch his career. He's been on screen with Tom Hanks and, and a whole lot of other folks. Uh, Timothy Dalton had had a level of success. They all had had some degree of success. Maybe George Lazenby with the least amount. I think he did the commercials or something. And I nobody think so. really knew him. Yeah. But that was kind of the thing. We don't want somebody to be Bond who's already associated with fill in the blank, whatever that is. So that's generally been the consensus. Everyone's going to see Henry Cavill. And yeah, he made it work in Mission Impossible, but he wasn't carrying that movie. You know, that's Tom Cruise. He was in the background to go along with that. To have another guy do that role, I think he, as if you strip all that away, would he do a good job? Yeah, I think he would. He it looks a little more polished than Daniel Craig, but clearly he's a big guy. They work scenes into the Superman movies where he's not wearing a shirt just so you could see it's not CGI. This is the guy. He's built he can hurt you and the bathroom scene fight in mission impossible he will hurt you but he would do a great job but he's not going to get the role namely superman yeah which is kind of too bad i i think he he would be very suitable yeah i do think he would do good but i think like you said he is maybe just a little too firmly established although he has said in interviews that he would love the role he has said it openly like i would love to play james bond so it's it's like a stanley cup he's tried No one that plays hockey that's never won the Stanley Cup will touch the Stanley Cup because it's bad luck. If you're a British actor and you're within that range, you don't want to talk about the possibility of getting Bond because it almost is the same thing. That's very true of a lot of these guys. They've kind of played it coy with it. Cavill's been the opposite, though. He's been like, give me the role. Some people won't even say the name. They're like, well, the B-roll would be great, you know, whatever. But, I saw that. But that, you know, I, I get it. People are going to be asked, especially now with Craig stepping out, anybody that might step in is going to be asked the question. It's funny to see how they'll respond. I'll give you one that is, I think he would be a very good bond. I also think that he's got a level of celebrity around him that's going to hurt him. But what do you think about Robert Pattinson? I've seen his name get floated out there. Yes. Now he's about, he's kind of in a way drifted away. Now that's going to change here fairly soon when the Batman comes out. Yes. And that might change all of this. Well, he's gone the indie route so yeah. much. Plus he has Twilight attached to him. That is significant too. That's um, an anchor in a way. Yes. Because not only was it that popular, but he and Kristen Stewart with him, they became like the it couple and they just ruled everything for a while. And then kind of in a way, both of them vanished. And that works to his benefit. He did a lot of great indie work. Right. But now he's coming back to the forefront, and it's going to happen soon when the Batman does get its release. That might throw all this Uh, out the window. But what do you think about him? I I think that factor, the fact that he is going to play Batman in The Batman, I think is a, a pretty major piece of this. Now, he did a nice job in Tenet. He proved in Tenet that he can be a part of an action vehicle. And looks good in a tux? Yes, and look good in a tux. And do a solid job in an action vehicle, too. So, 
I would say he's he's got some really good things going for him, but the fact that he has stepped into a major role elsewhere, I think, is going to go against him in this regard. But there is a fascinating theory regarding Robert Pattinson, which I have to keep on on the back of the of the burner here until the end when I I come up with a one more thing kind of thing for the James Bond movies moving okay. forward, and that's the possibility to work with somebody. But um, but Pattinson would be, I, I think he's got a lot going for him in terms of what he has proven he can do, but his major drawback is the Batman. Yeah, right now, I think he's far enough away from Twilight, and he really stepped away. But yeah, the Batman thing, and who knows where it's going to go from there. Yeah. I do not know what contract status he has as he signed up for this one and then two sequels. He might be contractually tied up anyway, but even if he's not, this is going to be one of those, the same reason as Tom Holland, oh, you're too associated because now you are the Batman, you can't go on and do Bond. What about a guy who has experience in big movies, but has mostly been a supporting actor in those movies? Who he just fits in the age criteria. I believe he's in his mid forties. Killian Murphy. What do you think about Killian Murphy, Dave? I like him. Uh, I think he's a fantastic actor. But I also think he is becoming too well known. Really? I think he is just, I don't think he's too far over the bar, but he is. And especially if you're watching any Christopher Nolan movie. Sure. There he is. I mean, he's in like in every movie, even if it's just a quick cameo. You know, whether he's Jonathan Crane and he pops up real quickly in the Dark Knight and well, the Dark Knight Rises. That's partially why, because he was a part of, of that series and he made two quick appearances in the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises. But he did then come back later in Dunkirk and had a True. role in that movie. Yeah. So he's he's out there as far as people know him and, and from some other projects he's done too. He was just in A Quiet Place too. Um, I believe, was he in? Well, he, he just signed what up. What was though. that po- post-apocalyptic zombie movie he was in? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, uh, it gets 28 Days Later. That's what I thought it was, yeah. You know, here's the other thing though. So uh, Christopher Nolan is going to be making a movie about Robert Oppenheimer, and it just came out in the last week yeah. that he has signed up to play Oppenheimer. Is he? They have not even filmed the movie yet. So knowing Christopher Nolan, some of his projects are going to be bigger and longer. Obviously, this is going to be a one-stop shot. Who knows when they're going to film the next Bond movie? Keep in mind, even though this to die, uh, No Time to Die is just coming out, this movie was going to come out a year and a half ago. Right. So th- where they are in a production standpoint behind the scenes for pre-production on the next Bond, they might be far enough down the road that they want to get moving sooner than later, and he might be tied up with Oppenheimer. I think with with Murphy, I think he'd be a very good choice. I think he is really close to that line as to he's too well-known, but maybe not so past the line that it's a foregone conclusion. No, I think he'd be good. He wouldn't be my choice, but I think he would do good. The word is they are going to search for the next Bond in 2022. That's what I've heard is that the the producers are going to... Yeah, I'm sure they're thinking, but they, they have said that they are really going to start searching next year is when they're going to try to get into it. So... Maybe that'll play a role. Other projects, maybe not. But it's an interesting option, although how Murphy would hold up as being like a very stout Bond, I, I'm not so sure. He might be more of the pro, the Brosnan kind of role yeah. or the Moore kind of role for it. But um, but I think he'd be a decent candidate. He'd be a good candidate. He looks very Irish, you know, rather than British. And I think that is, is a check against him, maybe. I mean, he's from the right island, so I, I get it. But, you know, anyway... How about another guy who has has really come onto the scene in a variety of roles over the last several years, Dave? Daniel Kaluuya. 
What do you think about Daniel Kaluuya stepping into it? Because he has a lot of name recognition that has started to become established, but he's not attached to any one role very strongly. That's true. Um, you, you know, you have to talk about, you can't bring him up without bringing up ethnicity also, but this is one of those where I, I think he would be good. I think he would, he's definitely got the right British, you know, regal, whatever you want to call it. And he has shown that he is very good yeah. at embracing a role that he steps into and really em- becoming engulfed in it. I mean, he would be an excellent method kind of guy for whatever you want him to be in terms of whatever type of bond. He can step into it and do it. I think he would be good. I think as far as name recognition, most people who are going to have to go Google him. You know, it's one of those guys where you know his work, but you might not know the name. He's almost like character actor, and that's actually a check in his column for favor. It's a feather in his hat. He's got great body of work. You might know the work, but you don't recognize the name. Hosting Saturday Night Live this weekend, Daniel. Who's that? You'd have to Google it. That's good because when you get so and so as James Bond, and that's him, and you don't know who it is. Well, that's great because they don't associate him with any you would, particular other thing. You would know him to see him, though, yes. because of the roles that he has played. Yeah, yeah, I think he would be good. Um, I don't know if he'd be my pick, but I think he would be good at it. Um, is there anything else you want to say about Daniel? Not too much else to add. I, I think he's a great option I, but with the work that he's done. And again, I think his versatility makes him yeah. a really intriguing possibility because whatever kind of bond he would see fit for himself to be, whatever kind of bond they would want him to be, I think he could do it. Yeah, I agree. I think like Daniel Craig before James Bond, he had a great body of work, good versatility. And you only see even more of that when you see Knives Out. How versatile is that? Wow, that's James Bond doing a foghorn leghorn impression, and it works. <laughs> so, yeah, I think Daniel, for the same reason, would, would be one of those. Let me pivot to something I think is in the same zip code, and I haven't seen one list of who could be the next Bond without this guy almost front and center. you got to talk about Idris Elba. Yes. And I think he's becoming – he's also maybe one of the best character actors out there. There isn't one character – that he is best remembered for. It really depends on your perspective, but he's played good guys and bad guys. He's been in major properties. He played a bad guy in the last Star Trek movie. He's been in the MCU. But he is a, a dude. Oh, yeah. He's a dude. Oh, yeah. And he, he does a lot of his roles, he does different accents, and most of them aren't British. You know, he does a great American right. accent and others, whatever his accent is in Thor, whatever that accent is, Icelandic or whatever. He does a great job in everything. He's the best-known character actor, as I would define him today, as any other character actor that's out there today. And that might be partially of what's against him. But he's also, what, 49? He's 49, just turned 49. That's going to be the problem because you don't want to be pushing 60 and you're only maybe halfway through what a normal Bond tenure would be. You know, he, if you're going to start something, you might want to dial the age back a little bit because he'd be good for a movie or two. But by the time you get to the third one, you don't want to be in Roger Moore view to a kill territory. Well, that's that's fair or unfair what we're looking at here with him, because and we don't want to make this an aging sort of mm. thing or an ageism sort of thing, but or a racing thing. You know, I don't think it really matters. As long as you fit that criteria, especially if you believe the whole thing that James Bond is a code name, and you get an agent that fills in the James Bond code name just as much as 007, there's two schools of thought on how you look at it. I know Idris Elba's name has been attached to Bond for years, and it's 
maybe a little bit unfortunate that the change is coming now because, yeah, yeah, you're giving yourself maybe about a 10-year window where I think it would really work with Elba being Bond. And I I think he could make it work. I think so, too. He's a guy who I think he could still do action-type movies and intrigue-type movies like this. He could do this for a while. I, I really do feel he could. The question is, how long do you have in mind for the next Bond, and that might just take it out of the picture as far as Idris Elba being an option, and which which would be a little unfortunate. It's just it's just a matter of timing, I think, for him that that maybe would take this out of his reach because I think he's got everything yeah. else in his favor as far as if you want to carry on the type of Bond that Daniel Craig was, Idris Elba is your guy, yeah. and I think he would provide a great deal of nuance and sophistication, and again, strength into that role. The question is, what kind of time frame window do you see the next Bond having? And would you want an older choice to fit in that? Those are the questions that they would need to answer. That's not necessarily for us to answer. It's more so for us to speculate on. Yeah, I agree. I think the the two things that work against Elba is one, uh, he's, I think, in my opinion, he's too far over that line as being well-known but the best thing is, is he's all over the board. So there's not any one thing that he's best known for. So that almost cancels that out. But the one thing that is against him is the timing. You know, if he'd yeah. been picked in, you know, the late 2000s when Daniel Craig was perfect choice, would have been great. But, you know, some of the big criticisms that never go away is did some of those previous actors stick around too long? Roger Moore certainly did. Uh, I think even, you know, Sean Connery, the first role he did post Diamonds Are Forever, which was his last official Bond role, was too late. When he did uh, Never Say Never Again, everyone's like, are you kidding me? This is Grandpa Bond. You know, yeah. those criticisms yeah. have never gone away. <laughs> this would be a criticism that would be there from day one. If you, if you, and I'm not saying 49 is old because it's not, but like we said, James Bond has to be certain things and he's not a part of AARP. No offense. If they want to get rolling on this with Idris Elba, they got to do it fast. Yeah, it would I, I have think. to be short. It would be a short tenure. He might do a Timothy Dalton two run, and then you got another Bond kind of thing. Maybe. Here's another guy who has both name recognition and character recognition working against him, who I think would otherwise be a fantastic choice. Tom Hiddleston. Have you seen The Night Manager, Dave? Did you I've watch not. that? Or do you, are you familiar with it? I know about it, but I've yes. not seen it. Very, very good limited series that was done a few years ago by AMC. Loved watching it. That was the series that many felt would put Tom Hiddleston into a James Bond frontrunner kind of category. And I watched it. I thought it was excellent. And I thought Tom Hiddleston was excellent in a spy kind of role that he ends up getting thrust into in, in that series. He, I think, would be a very ideal Bond choice. The problem, though, is, again, you've got a big-time name with Tom Hiddleston. And secondly, you've got a big-time character associated with him in Loki. And that's not changing right now because that Loki series is going on on Disney+. Plus. Unfortunate, because I think he would be a very good Bond. I think he would play a good Bond. But, yeah, the MCU is reason number one, two, and three why he's not going to get it. You think the tentacles of Spectre are far-reaching? The tentacles of the MCU are far-reaching. I could almost <laughs> see him in more of like a henchman role. But I could see him playing a bad bad guy in a Bond movie. I think he'd be good for that. But as a, as a Bond, you want to have, I think Daniel Craig and Sean Connery have really proven it. You want to have that, you know, that gritty iron chin, and he doesn't have that. 
he's he's not the kind of guy you see lumberjacking. You know what I mean? He's he, I think he'd be great in the tux, but when you have to really put the action going, I mean, clearly he could do the action stuff, but it just there seems to be something missing. There's not enough flour in the cake batter, I guess. I don't know how to put it, but um, I think he would be good. But Loki alone, you know, I think, is going to hold him back. But from one time to another time, yeah. I think the other I, one you got to bring if up. We were going to save this one if you were going to save this one for the end because this is your favorite option. Well, or or one of your favorites, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy is a great actor. He really, really is. And I remember seeing him in some of his earliest stuff and thinking, "Who is this guy? I like this guy. He's good." But I think that's a th- I think against him, he's got so many things he is so associated with, you know, and he's become yeah. he's got a great versatility. I'm amazing versatility, but he's been in some major properties. He's been in Star Trek. He was in Mad Max as Mad Max. He was Bane in The Dark Knight Rises, and so on and so forth. He's been in like half the Nolan movies. I'm sure he'll be in more. You don't see his full face in a lot of those movies. True. In- Inception, you get to see his full face. Yes. And some of those others too. Venom. He's been in yeah. Venom and has been in that role now of. As Eddie Brock, these last couple of, of outings for that. So, yeah, boy, he has a lot of name recognition, at least uh, partial face recognition. But, yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. I think, and I, I'm going to kind of spoil this a little bit because this is what we're going to finish off on. So here's a spoiler forthcoming for my opinion. He'd be my personal pick of all these names to go as Bond. But I think what makes him really work is... He's not really what you'd call an eccentric guy, but there's an eccentricity about him that works into these characters. And I can't really put my finger on exactly what I mean, but if you've seen enough Tom Hardy movies and if you've seen him in interviews and so forth, you know what I mean. And I think that would work to the character, would be a different take if you're still emotionally vulnerable like the Daniel Craig era. I think he could look great in a tux. Well, we've seen him in suits. He looks very dapper in Inception and several of those scenes. He's the very well-dressed you know, Jason Statham kind of character, but he can hurt you, you know. Uh, and I think he'd be, I think he would be fantastic in the role. He would bring a whole new element to it, a very kind of almost eccentric Bond. I've said that name enough. We could make it a drinking game this morning. <laughs> but it's, um, I don't think it's going to happen because I think while that would be a very good direction for the character to go, he has become very well known. He might actually, he's surpassed, uh, uh, Idris Elba's ca- uh, category of best known character actor. He's crossed from character actor into leading man. Uh, definitely. Venom right now, there will let there be carnage right now. He's front and center and everybody knew he was attached to it, even in front of and behind the scenes. I think he's too, I think he's way past that line of well, too well known. And you, they're not going to go with somebody as well known as him. And right now that's the only thing against him because he is so well known. I think other than that, he would be, in my opinion, right now, the perfect choice. Talk about a flawed Bond that's trying to work his way up. He could nail that. I agree. I I, I would put him in that kind of front-runner category, and he's also a guy who I would really enjoy seeing in that role. You know, I'd enjoy seeing him in that role. I'd enjoy seeing Idris Elba in that role. But there's a lot working against him for all the reasons that you mentioned, Dave. Um, if they want to go with somebody who's a little bit – of a deeper cut. Tom Hardy's not a deeper cut, but he would be great in it. Do yeah. you want to hear some deeper cut options, Dave, that I've that I've looked up and found yeah. who would be some good possibilities? Have you heard of Reggae Jean Page? I know of him and I've I've seen these lists and I know well this guy would be good. A lot he of He has shot up the charts oh, yeah. since his work in Bridgerton. Yeah, and that's the best thing for him. 
He's got a great pedigree of work. Not of any, not any of it is really amazingly on everybody's radar. It's and he's, brief. Yeah, it's very brief, but it, all of his work is very good, but he hasn't had that breakout yet. And that's exactly where Bond normally comes from. Right. Pierce Brosnan was on Remington Steel. What's Remington Steel? If you didn't watch that on NBC and that was always on the brink of cancellation. So clearly the ratings were never, you know, like yeah. crazy, but he stood out. And he did great work. He maybe Mrs. Doubtfire prior, which is funny to talk about in a James Bond discussion, was the biggest title he was in, and he only carried it underneath Sally Field. And of course, what was the? Oh yeah, Robin Williams nailed that. But he was just Bond in waiting, and the timing was right, and he got it. And this could be exactly that. Yeah, Reggae Jean Page definitely fits into that category. Um, he has gotten let's just say notoriety based on the kind of show that Bridgerton is and. Well, I it's not my cup of tea by any stretch, but people have like got salivated about the quote unquote eye candy nature of this guy um, and the way that he's portrayed within this show. But um, he is leaving Bridgerton; he will yeah. not be a part of it moving forward. So that opens up some real possibility for this guy. And I look at it and him, and I'm like, this guy could be James Bond. Yeah, he he looks be. like he's got the suave sophistication about him but he also looks like he could be in a fight and win it so he's he's got a lot going for him and again that's not a show that i watch bridgerton but he's gotten at least some notoriety from that he has gotten on the radar of people and he is suddenly a guy who many people are going he could be the next bond and he was one of those guys who got interviewed and he even said it like the b word he's like you know what uh, it's inevitable. You're a British actor who gets some attention. The B word comes up, and I think he's a very, very real possibility. I think with the exception of Pierce Brosnan, nobody was a foregone conclusion at all as far as getting it. I mean, they may have been looked at before. Brosnan actually was cast as Bond and then had to let the role go because Remington Steele got picked up. And not only that, yeah. I think it was one of the later Roger Moore movies, and he wasn't coming back, and then he did come back, and anyway... Uh, Timothy Dalton got the role instead of Brosnan, and then when Dalton let go, there were legal issues, blah, blah, blah. Brosnan was basically waiting in the wings for a while, and everyone knew he was probably going to be the next Bond. Timothy Dalton's not coming back? Well, here comes Pierce, and it was no surprise when he came out as James Bond. Nobody saw Daniel Craig coming. Nobody saw really any of the others coming, and I think that's what you need to expect with this one. Well, I think Tom Hardy and many of these other names we're bringing up would be awesome as Bond, they're not going to get it because Bond, more often than not, comes out of nowhere. Really? Who is this guy? i got to look him up. Yeah. I've got two more names to that to that regard and in that regard. Richard Madden is one of them. Guy who's been yeah. in, in Game of Thrones. He was also in Cinderella yep. a few years ago. And in The Eternals here this year, getting into Marvel a little bit, too. That could be the thing that hurts him. Possibly. Possibly, but that's a that's a lesser Marvel property. I would I would say in some respects. Well, who was you know who was Doctor Strange? Well, now you got Doctor Strange front and center. He's been in the Avengers movies. Now everyone knows Doctor Strange. But the Eternals is an ensemble, true, and, and that helps him. I think true. And Richard Madden again. He's he's a name, but it's one of those guys where you have to look him up again. Yes. that category where it's unless like, you're a Game of Thrones. Who's guy. that? But, or, but yeah, with Game of Thrones, I, I think that puts him in an okay category because yeah. there it's like you're really immersed in a character in Game of Thrones. It's not like a, oh, there's there's this person playing it. It's, oh, you see 
you see who their role is within that a little bit more. He's in that, the peripheral. That gives, that gives him, I think, some really good traction. He seems like he'd be a pretty ideal Bond who, again, has been in some big properties, but again, it's been kind of either a one-off or he's very immersed in it, hardly to the point where you go, oh, that's Richard Madden. Yeah. He's been a part of bigger properties where other names that have been part of that have, for one reason or another, stepped a little about out and above for whatever reason. Kit Harrington, yeah. and and you've got um, Sarah Clark and Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark. Sorry, yeah, yeah my bad. Uh, yeah, they've kind of found a step out a little more, but this guy not so much. Right. But he's still got a great body of work. Yeah, I think so. He's right where the bubbles are starting to rise in the pot, but he's not bubbled over yet. The other guy is a very, very British centric name. And that's James Norton, who's in a lot of British television. Like well, he, I don't know. Right. He's he's a guy who has cropped up on radars because of his work that he's done, mostly in British TV. And he was a name that was pretty much an unknown to me. And I had to look in, look into his name a little bit more. Um, and, and he's one who, again, from some attention he's gotten through British television and the work he's done there, he is a recognizable name, but one that has not been in a super recognizable role. As okay. of yet. So another that's a little bit more of a deeper cut, a dark horse possibility who would be in the running. So that's that's the extent of the list with one exception that I've left toward the end that's one of my personal favorites. Um, but do you have any others, Dave? The one I would bring up, and he's very British, but every role he plays, he does something completely different. And he's also even been in the Star Wars era is Dev Patel. Yes, I think would be he, good. his name has come up too. And yeah. he's as a as a as a person who works in the industry, he's been starting to circle Academy Awards. But it's a lot of those things like, you know, some I don't know half these people that are up for the Oscar. That's exactly what's working in his favor. Yes, he's good, and you generally don't know him. However, if you saw some show, you'd probably recognize him. Wait, wasn't he also in? Yes, he was. He's one of those guys that's very much a chameleon actor. That does fantastic. Can really fit roles exceptionally well. He does crazy accents, but when you see him just as himself, he's terribly British. Yes. And that's a good thing to go for him. There's one more, and I think he's a little on the older side, but I think he would have made a wonderful bond. And as I'm saying this word, his, his brain, my brain is going completely too early in the morning. The coffee hasn't fully kicked in. Who was Leonard in, uh, in, uh, uh, Memento? Oh, I can man. see his face. I can Guy see his name. I can't see. Guy Pierce. He's Australian, but we've already got an Australian Bond. You know that was George Lazenby. But what is? How old is he? He's got to be in his late forties. But I think he's in the same category as Elba. You know him. He is a great character actor, and he absolutely disappears into every role. He would uh, rock. Guy James Pierce Bond. is fifty-four. Oh darn it! He's. I hate to say it. I'm not an ageist, but I'm just saying Bond can't be too old. He would rock that role. Speaking of shaking things up, this guy, this guy is maybe my favorite. Like if I, I like, I think some of those those deeper cut options are pretty good. I would have really enjoyed Henry Cavill if he wasn't already a well established name. Like he'd be one of my favorites. Idris Elba would be a favorite of mine. Tom Hardy would be a favorite of mine. Tom Hiddleston too. But again, they're all too well known. But I like all those options. I like this option, maybe even slightly above the rest, but he's German. He's German. Whoa. Michael Fassbender. <laughs> yeah. Like, that would be crazy, wouldn't it? That'd be wild. He would, and he would be good. He would be 
so good. Yeah. He'd be so good. Like, he's 44, so you might be getting him just at the right time to be able to do it or for a little bit. My, I I think Michael Fassbender is awesome. I do. I, I, I think he is a terrific actor who, again, has some recognition to him with the projects he's done and, of course, his role in X-Men with with being in there and doing all of that as Magneto. Um, and now he's established himself in the Alien franchise as David. But Michael Fassbender is brilliant. He really is. He is so good, and I think he'd be a really good James Bond. We might be just a little late on going his way. Plus, do you want to give the role to a German? No, it's not. You know, I hate to say it, but... There are many British people of a certain age that are never going to let a German be Bond because he's nowhere near British enough. He could certainly play the role. He played the role. He, he was in, a glorious bastard. Yes. Well, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out speaking the Queen's proper English. You know, what a great way to go out. That was a Bond way to go out. But he's never going to be Bond. He could play British I think, people. Listen, I think that that established <laughs> his credentials to be in there. What a what a, a I agree. crazy bit I agree. of casting in that movie to make him play a British role. I think there was some funny irony Wasn't to it. Wasn't that the same movie and where Mike Myers played Winston Churchill? Yes. <laughs> Sitting there in the corner. Debrief him. Brief him. Yes, very brief that he was even in there. But yes, I think even that little bit part yeah. established this guy can be British. Like, yeah. bring it on, baby. I think, I think if, that'd be awesome. I think if we're going to do that, then we might as well throw McAvoy in also, even though he's Scottish. You know, we haven't had a Scottish Bond since Connery, uh, so bring so bring him in. Yeah, that would be good too. I think he'd be a good Bond, but I don't think he's the right one. I for think the McAvoy. Role. I think McAvoy would be all right. I don't know if his action chops are totally yeah. there, but um, it, it, like his action movie kind of chops are there. But McAvoy, yeah, that'd be that'd be kind of fun. Yeah, I, I think he could pull Boy, it we're off. Going to all the I think we're, now. there's better options, but yeah, I like Fastbender. He'd be good. Oh, but you Fast have to be, would be really You good. can't just be British. You have to be terribly British. He's not a good roller of the R's British. You know what I mean? You have to be able to do that. Well, but, Daniel Craig was more of a gritty, terribly British. Yeah, so. but he was the same. He was exactly what Sean Connery was. When, I mean, like as an actor. So when Cubby Broccoli and Harry Saltzman, who was a producer back in the early roles, uh, they got this guy that was basically like a broguish street fighting type Sean Connery. They got him cut into a perfectly tailored suit, and the role, the advice they gave to him was, get into this three-piece tailored suit and sleep in it. Yes. That was basically how they got him to do Bond, and he did an impersonation of uh, the director, who was you know, quite Bondian in his own right. And they basically, Sean, uh, Daniel Craig is almost a Bond version of how they got Sean Connery to be Bond. You know, here's this roguish, uh, you're too roguish, I never should have promoted you to Bond, says Judy Dench's M. Put him in a three-peat Seville Row suit, and it, he, the suit makes the man, but he doesn't quite fit the suit in a way. You know, he's almost trying to burst out of it like the Incredible Hulk coming out at the end with a beautiful suit that's torn and wrecked and rich, destroyed and <laughs> wristing at the seams. That's Daniel Craig, yeah. you know. They didn't really fit the suit, but the suit fit him. You know what I mean? So there could even be a relative unknown that we're not even talking yes. about who who could be end up ending up getting picked. Let's talk about some possibilities for the future for the James Bond franchise. Because there are, like I said earlier, there are many of them. With how No Time to Die wraps up, there are many possibilities. Now, no spoilers yet. With no spoilers you yet, give, you we're can getting give, there. You can give an asterisk to the continuation of this train of thought at the end of your review. That's right. But, Dave... Here's here's one idea. 
have you watched the spoof Casino Royale? Yes. The old one? You have. Yes. Yeah, it's it's a farce. It's a farce of a movie. It's ridiculous. It's insane. It, it goes all kinds of crazy directions. This is Peter Sellers. Yes, and, David yeah. Niven. Um, Woody Allen even yeah. in there. Have you ever seen um, the trailer for that movie? I possibly, but I don't in the remember. trailer, they introduce many of the different characters who, are, uh, many of the different actors who will be in there. Whether it's Woody Allen or Peter Sellers, David Niven, Joanna Pettit, they introduce them as James Bond, and they say each person is James Bond because there are like multiple James Bonds within this movie. Isn't there like, also a Jimmy Bond? <laughs> yes, that's Woody Allen. <laughs> He's going to write an angry letter to the Times if he gets killed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he has a very a, a great fear of a, a great aversion to death. Um. Anyway, I'm getting too into that. The trailer, I I start cracking up like ten seconds into it because of the music, and then when Casino Royale pops up, I'm like, this isn't Casino Royale. Like I'm laughing at, at hysterically at how ridiculous this looks. Anyway. What about that concept? What about a movie where you go into the Spider-Verse with James Bond and have multiple, multiple ones of these guys all playing James Bond within the movie? How wild and crazy and ridiculous something like that could be no. where you make a joke of, I know, like I'm getting into a very crazy idea here, um, of multiple people playing the James Bond role and even multiple people on this big list playing it, or... And there's another idea that comes with that that's less crazy, but that's kind of a crazy idea. Yeah, I think it would kind of go along the lines of what they did, what they wanted to do with Jaws 3. There's no way we can play this straight anymore. It's got to be a farce. So the first idea was they were going to do Jaws 3, People 0. It was going to be a comedy. And basically the term they came up with, don't foul the nest, you know, is what it came up to be. If you want to have Daniel Craig spoof James Bond on Saturday Night Live, awesome. I'm for that. Yes. There, if you go back to the 80s, they had a really good sketch with Steve Martin as James Bond, not on mission but on holiday, and when Her Majesty's Secret Service isn't flipping the bill, he's a cheapskate. You know, and he nailed it. It was funny. They had Sting show up in that part, too. It was, it was great. That's one thing. But to go comedic for real, I mean, yeah, every Bond movie's got a level of comedy, but you got to get that ratio right. And if you go farce like Casino Royale, and this is from the 60s. This is not the Daniel Craig, for those of you that aren't playing the home game, go way back. This is like in the 60s, late 60s, I think 68 maybe, when it came out. Um, yeah, that's a whole other thing. No. No. Have them show up on Saturday Night Live. That's as far down that rabbit Doctor, hole as you need to go. No. No. Yeah. All right. So that was a crazy idea. Here's one, though, that's maybe not so far-fetched attached to that. There has been some talk in articles that I've read, even post No Time to Die, about consider this, James Bond, and the, and the James Bond franchise. Look at what is happening with streaming platforms. Look at what could be happening with MGM and Amazon in the future as well, with getting enveloped into there. Yeah. What about the possibility of even doing something like a limited series involving the James Bond character where... Maybe within each portion of it, you do a different mission, a different time and place, and you have a different person play that, maybe on a limited basis. I don't like the idea of taking Bond away from the big screen, but that is a possibility. And this is where Lashana Lynch comes back in. This is where Ana de Armas comes back in. What if you would use a streaming platform to be able to launch a greater 007 universe and 007 content where characters like that could then begin to carve out their own 
major role within that universe and within a streaming platform, similar to what Marvel is doing right now with turning the corner and going very streaming heavy, similar to what Star Wars is doing right now too, what if the James Bond franchise would try to do that under the 007 umbrella and maybe with multiple names like this in the mix, you could have each one do within a limited series of a Bond story. You could have them each do that. It would kind of water down, I think, the greater Bond product in a way. But I think the better option out of this, like in these two ideas I'm throwing out here, is that it would give characters like Nomi and like Anna D'Armas' character a, a role and a place to be able to have that role. I think there's something to be said about that. I also th- There's pros and there's cons to this. I think you'd almost need to look at it the way that pro wrestling holds all their shows and then the pay-per-view. All the things that would be on the TV or the streaming end of it need to be threads. But the big thread gets woven into the big tapestry that's on the big screen, which, which is, is what Marvel movie. is doing. Yeah, and maybe you get whoever Bond is to show up in the background as so-and-so agent is talking to M and Bond knocks on the door. M, you wanted to see me? Oh, in a minute, Bond. You know, and that's his cameo. That's it. You want to see Bond, you buy a ticket, you see him on the big screen. But something maybe ties into it. But here's a con. You know, going to see Game of Thrones, I watched two episodes of 24 because you have to see what came before. One of the best things with Bond, any of them, even where there are connective threads, do you need to see the first one to understand the next one? No. One of the great joys of Bond is that they are very self-contained bottle shelves. Even where Blofeld comes into it, do you need to see the very first one with Blofeld, whether you're talking about the, you know, the various different actors who've played him over the decades and the resurgence of Blofeld? I know he's in this one too. You know, you don't need to know what has come before. You just know there's a history there, maybe. And yeah. that's all that there is. And you, if whatever that history is, it's fairly inconsequential. And you just move forward from there. That's a big bonus to this. Well, I don't want to go see the second Avengers movie because I didn't see the first Avengers movie and I didn't see blah, blah, blah. And I haven't seen these episodes on the streaming platform. They should be connected only at the most rudimentary level. And just don't really matter if you saw them or even know about those streaming shows. You won't miss anything with this. But if you did see this, you'll get a little bit more enjoyment than you would otherwise. But you don't need to. Really, you don't need to. And that's where I think there'd be great possibility that would come through doing streaming type of content for, like, Lashana Lynch and and through Nomi and being able to have that and maybe then thread that into some of the movies a little bit where she gets involved as... A part of it in a supporting role. Um, maybe you could do that with Felix Leiter and his character a little yeah. bit. Maybe you could do it with M a little bit in that way, or Q, you know, or or Monty Penny. Have have Monty Penny get back in the field a little bit and do something like that if Naomi Harris wants to keep going and 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 keep on being a part of this. I think They're- Naomi and Leiter would make a great centric series. You know, you because Leiter is CIA, so he's American counterpart to what Bond is in MI6. So let's see what you never see later that often. He shows up at a bar to tell Bond some info, and that's it. He exits stage left, and that's it. Let's see Leiter front and center doing something, maybe even action oriented. Maybe he's more of a desk person. That's a, that's a maybe on that one, but yeah, that that would be, yeah, that that'd be nice seeing some team ups like that too. Here's I think the best idea that I've seen about the future of Bond and what could be ahead for it. I think. And I completely agree with this. When it comes to the big screen iterations, it's time to go back to the formula. And what I mean by that is take a cue from the novels. You know that there are still James Bond novels coming out, Dave, right? Oh, yeah. 
I, I have but read... When people talk about the novels, they generally talk about the ones from Ian Fleming. Yes. And there are still, whether it's titles or plot elements that are yet to be mined. Not to say you have to, but they're there. And they've been making Bond brand new Bond novels since... I don't know, numerous different authors. There isn't one author anymore since Fleming died. Some of the more recent iterations have come from an author by the name of Anthony Horowitz, who I have read his his books of. I read kind of like a a Bond kids version almost a little bit that, that I read when I was younger, and they were very good. He has now kind of made the turn into doing proper James Bond novels like Trigger Mortis is the one that comes to mind. Good uh, good title. Most specifically. Yes. That's a good Bond title. I like that one. Um, And they've been very good. And a lot of what they have tried to do with the novels is they go to Bond within like the Cold War era or back in time a little bit. And they drop Bond into that retro setting where he was first created and and where Fleming's novels first had him, where the original movies first had him. In that period of time, and they go with a very retro type of touch to them. I think you could go a wealth of different directions by putting Bond back in time a little bit. And you would set up for a wealth of possibilities on who would play Bond by doing that. Where you don't necessarily have him in the present day and time. Make Bond a character who is outside of the realm of time, which has kind of been already the case with Bond over the last 50 years. I mean, the the fact that his name and his character has lasted through these 50 years, he has gone through various times in history. I mean, it was bell-bottom Bond, basically, with um, in the 70s there with the, the type of fashion that, that you had with Roger Moore and the kind of suits that he wore. I think it's time to go full retro and to get that real retro appeal because that's part of what made... Skyfall, really good. They had some retro touches that they added. That's part of what's made the Craig ones good is when they have added those retro feels like with the classic cars when they've dropped them in or having a retro kind of feel and style to where he's been. Go full retro. Make Bond a time period kind of thing from here on out and do singular movies in that regard. Or maybe you do a series of maybe three movies or two movies attached together that are from this time period. Then you go to a different time period. Bring Spectre fully back into the mix. Have Spectre Island. I think it'd be great to do a movie where Bond infiltrates Spectre Island. I mean, that came up in one movie. I think there's some intrigue about add more depth to Spectre and to this organization that is working outside of any one nation. And sometimes, like in the case of From Russia With Love, gets in between the the nations of of England and Russia or the Soviet Union at that time and gets between them and adds some intrigue and makes the Cold War hot as they talk about in that movie. Um, have some of that go on. I, I think there's great possibility with that where you could do maybe two or three movies at a time attached to that or do one-off movies involving Spectre. Involving, but, but you find a way to make it a different kind of story each time maybe in a different place and time each time as well. I love the possibilities that come with that, where you are not tied to the present day and you parachute him back in time a little bit, much like what the novels have done recently. I think it's an interesting take. Uh, I think there's something to go with that. If I was a Bond producer, I would say no. Um, I I think that... um, But I think Bond has to move forward, and he needs to evolve as a character, and a lot of his... Sexual misogyny, for example, especially during the early Craig and the Brosnan years, 
you know, in a hashtag Me Too movement. Beyond only that, you need to... What does the Cold War mean to the young fans coming up? They weren't alive for it. They weren't around for it. So some things in World War II are interesting. Setting things in World War I are interesting, but they don't speak to me going forward. Some of the gadgets coming out makes it less technological, I guess, in a way. Um, but I think Bond works moving forward. And I think finding a new element, what Bond had been for a long, long time, you know, I mean, I think Judy Dench's M says it well in, I think it was, uh, I think she said it to Pierce Brosnan in Gold, Goldeneye, I think you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur. And ever since then, Bond has kind of started to move forward into the today, I guess. I like having him set in the past because that's where I think he thrives in a lot of ways. But to today's audience, as they grow younger and younger, what does that mean to them? I mean, Mad Men, when it was a TV show set back in the 60s, it spoke to – it wasn't hugely watched by a lot of younger people. It's not like no younger people watched it, but people that were from that era loved looking back at that era. That era, who will appreciate that the most, are going to only die out as we go older. I think Bond has to move forward, but bringing elements of that era forward – I think it'd be a better way to go. Skyfall is a very much modern movie for the year that it came out, 2012, I think it was. Yeah. But it has elements of the 60s brought into that, given a bit of an early 2010s coat of paint over 60s structure, if that makes any sense. See, I would love to recapture more of that. If if the idea yeah. is going to be continuing to move forward in the present day, being able to recapture that kind of feel, I think, would be would be really ideal. But... But again, I really do think that, again, there's a lot of possibility moving forward of what they could do. But when I say going back in terms of the story and everything, I truly mean like the story, the setting. I don't mean going back to the kind of Bond character like that used to be. Yeah, I mean the vibe. And I mean, I mean even the setting and place. I don't mean going back to the way the Bond character was at the beginning. I, I agree with you that that needs to continue moving forward, especially leaving behind... The things about the Bond character that are, that are more cringeworthy that were from the past. I completely and wholeheartedly agree with that. But I do, however, think you can still go back in time setting-wise and make it work in the present day. Because people are coming for the James Bond character. Like, they are coming for that if they're coming for this movie. And even if it is set in a past time, so to speak, I think people will still come for the Bond character, because that is such an established, just major, major moneymaker of a character that they will come for that. Yeah, I think also people would want to see how Bond would tackle, ooh, here's something new in the headlines of today. How will he deal with that? Go back to the living daylights. Timothy Dalton's Bond is working with the Mujahideen, who are now the Taliban, who have taken over Afghanistan. We drove them out, now they're back. How would Bond do, if it is a lineage story and it's the same James Bond, how would he do now going back into Afghanistan dealing with former allies from from uh, uh, the living daylights? How would that work? You know, there's an interesting element, not to mention the obvious elements. How would that work? How would that look? And maybe set that, if not dead front and center, maybe in the background. You know, and that's always been the case. Even the Cold War, while the, the Russians may have had a quick cameo, they were rarely, not always, but they would ever occasionally step in to some degree. General Google, right, wasn't he M's counterpart, but in the KGB? Um, and, I think so, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he wouldn't have a big part, and maybe you'd have a triple X character in, like, The Spy Who Loved Me, and other times they were just in the background. That's all it was. And so having headlines from today, and it's not about giant organizations, but 
you know, having China involved, having uh, terrorism involved, and they're all terrorists in these Bond movies, but maybe something that's pulled a little more like from today's headlines rather than somebody who wants to destroy the world and create an underwater kingdom like the spy who loved me. And, and see, that's where, where I like keeping Spectre involved moving forward, yeah. especially if you go back in time a bit, because then it becomes less about nationalities and it becomes more about an organization yeah, that's and working I th- in there. I think the only reason it went away in the first place was because the whole Kevin McClory thing We've talked about it. You can yeah, Google yeah. Kevin McClory and find out what is he talking? Who Google it? It's too Rights long a story. And ownership and all of yeah, those things. Yeah. Too long a story. But he'd had a, a hand in creating it, and then they just got away with it. And not only that, they literally threw Blofeld down a smokestack just to say we're done with that character and done with all of that. Now that they can, they are. And I haven't seen the new movie, but hopefully it goes well. One more quick thing to to bring up as an idea. Let's say that the next Bond movie is maybe four years away or so. Four, four, I'll bet it's sooner than that. Four years, three years, something like that. The next director, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Why what did if, I not know you what were if, going there? <laughs> and I, I bring that up because you mentioned Robert Pattinson earlier, and I saw those two names attached together. Nolan has expressed yeah. deep admiration for the James Bond movies for a long time. Oh, yeah. They have inspired him. Inception was kind of like his own Bond movie. Tenet was like his own Bond movie in some ways where he got to do those kinds of action set pieces and those kinds of things related to a very Bondian type movie. He, uh, speaking of he being as it. British as they come, he's as British as they come on a directorial side, one of the great directors of the modern day. He would be amazing. Like, Look what Sam Mendes did. Yes. I mean, he's got great movies, and they're great in their visual scope, but wow, especially Skyfall, he nailed them. He did nail them. Imagine what he could do. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even Spielberg had talked about back, this is where Indiana Jones came from. He and George Lucas, best buddies, take a Hawaiian vacation. I think I'd like to direct what would have ultimately been um, uh, the 81 uh, Never Sit, no, whatever that movie was. Uh, anyway. Um, oh, For Your Eyes Only, was potentially going to be directed by Spielberg. And George Lucas said, no, 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 wait, I have something better. And he was referring to Indiana Jones. Yeah. Could Spielberg be interested enough to swing back around and maybe pick up a Bond movie? Maybe. Nolan, I think you're down the Nolan, right Nolan, though, like would that. be an awesome yes. way to turn the corner into what's next for yeah. Bond. Get a big director involved, a guy who loves the Bond movies. His favorite one is on Her Majesty's Secret Service, and he's he's referenced that that has influenced some of his past projects. And he knows the Bond movies through and through. I think he would be... He'd be just oh that'd be that'd be incredible the, the catch for turning though, the corner. I think if you're going to introduce a new Bond and you will the next movie, I think it has to be formulaic. It has to be uh, Casino Royale was it was a little it threw a couple things off. Bond becomes Bond, gets the double O status, but it was very formulaic Bond movie. I think it has to be to start it. Once you establish it, then you can kind of play a little bit and do a Skyfall kind of a something something. But yeah, I think you got to do. Lazen's Bees was not only was it not a formulaic that was partially responsible for why he only did the one. He just he, people didn't really grab onto him. Yeah, the movie's aged better, but he wasn't super big on no. doing the movie either. That's what yeah. the word was too. Is that Lazenby wasn't too big on it? If only he knew. Now, I mean that that movie has has really with time grown in it in people's appreciation. Well, for it. and he was at least for a while the replacement of Sean Connery, who came back to quote unquote yeah. rescue the franchise, only to leave after that one, and then came Roger Moore, but. Yeah, so people, you can't not have Sean Connery, Bond, 
is Connery, you hadn't had 17 people play Bond at that point. You know, you know Connery won't do it forever. Now we know none of them will do it forever. So now we're about to get a new one. Who will that be? We'll get there. Yeah. So yeah, I, it's, I like I really like the idea oh, of that director. That'd be good. I hope. That'd, All right, that'd be we got to awesome. wrap it up. So let's finish it up with: if we got to make a pick, if you were Wilson Broccoli and you got to make those are the producers, by the way, you got to make your pick. Who, whether we've mentioned them or not, would you pick? Forget their celebrity status. Forget the line. Who do you think would do best the role of James Bond? If it'd be, uh, I have a group of people who I'd say if it'd be Idris Elba, if it would be Tom Hardy, if it would be Tom Hiddleston, I'd be happy with any of those guys. I would love if it was any of them. Michael Fassbender is still my my favorite pick. I know it's probably not going to be him, but I think he'd be great. I, I think he would do a great job. But again, if you would pick any of those three guys who I mentioned previously, I think they'd be awesome picks as well. And I'll throw Henry Cavill in there, too, because I think he'd also be great. But, hey, I like a lot of the lists that we brought up. I think all those guys have great qualities to yeah. be good. And plus, it'll You brought it'll up probably Shia just... LaBeouf. Hold up. Hold up. No, I said that that was in the <laughs> laugher category. I, I was like, you know, let's just get this out right now, laugh about it, and move on. Like, I think any of the options we brought up as, like, serious candidates or possibilities, I think would be great. I think Tom Holland is another one where I'm like, no, I wouldn't be Ten down years for him. from now. But... But again, any of the others, even some of those lesser-known names, I'm like, yeah, I could see these guys, absolutely. But pick one, Tom, one of those. Tom Hiddleston, or not Tom Hiddleston. Um, uh, Michael Fassbender is okay. is my favorite. But again, those other four I mentioned, you pick any of yeah, them. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. I love them in that role. And again, if if you're ready to move on and change Bond's ethnicity a little bit, and and while still going the British route, I am all on board for that too. I'm like, hey, absolutely, let's go for it. But I've thought for a long time Fassbender would be really cool. Even if he is German and a little bit of a different route, he'd be great. Hey, if they got a British Henry Cavill to play the all-American Superman it and can Christian be done. Bale played Batman. It can be done. It can be done. It can be done. Absolutely. But the requirements here are very geopolitical centric, I think, when it comes to James Bond. Yes. So say it what you will. I've already given my spoilers, so you know where I'm going to go. I'm going to say I think Tom Hardy would be the best. I think he would do a great job in this role. Uh, it would be kind of kind of Craig-esque, but something new. And that's all you need is something new. What I think they can't do is stray too far from this new adjusted formula because it works, and it's really working. So don't stray too far, but you can't do carbon copy, carbon copy. you got to do something different, but be cautious on how you tread. That being said, I don't think Tom Hardy's going to be the new Bond for the reasons we've already talked about. I don't but know. But we're making a pick. Yeah. I, I, here's my thing. I don't know if I can pick any of those names and say, who, here's who I think it will be. But here's what I think it will be. It's going to be somebody that maybe we've mentioned, maybe we haven't, but I think whoever it is is going to be somebody that is kind of known but not well known. They're going to come out of yeah. like, like, like uh, Bennett from Game of Thrones, something like that. Somebody that is right on the peripheral, that's just waiting for one little springboard to jump in. You want to be close to that line, but not over the line. And somebody that is kind of well-known. I kind of knew who Daniel Craig Reggae was. Reggae Jean Page. Yeah, somebody, somebody like, like that. a Reggae Jean Page will be the new James Bond. Somebody that's got the credentials. Somebody that isn't well-known, but isn't completely obscure either. But where a lot of people are going to say, who? And got to Google them. Oh, yeah, I saw him. And that's who Bond will be. That's how it usually always is, and I'm sure whoever it will be, 
then the memes, so-and-so is not Bond, will be all over again until they come out and hopefully prove everybody wrong and really pick up the mantle, not just from Daniel Craig, but do more of what Daniel Craig did and really make his own version of Bond and, in my argument, surpass all others before him. See, it's the exercise of this that's the fun part. That's yeah. where this is really fun is just the speculation. And now we'll wait and see. But, I I mean, they've... They got it spot on with Daniel Craig. I'm, yeah. I'm hopeful that we're going to be getting somebody who, again, is spot on in this regard moving forward, too. This will be a fun ride, and hopefully yeah. the Bond producers have not really screwed up in this regard And again, yet. the possibilities. Yeah. There are many that are out there for where the James Bond franchise could go in the future, and I think there are a lot of exciting ones. I'll tell you so, what. I've said before, I haven't seen a movie since 1917 in December, January of 2020. Uh, or 19 or whatever year that was, this might be the first movie I go back to see. I'm waiting for the crowds to die down a little bit, but maybe some matinee when the parking lot's not looking too full and I got my wife in the car. Come on, babe, we're going in. That might be my return to movies because this one I don't want to see on some. It's also on day and date release streaming. You gotta see I don't on, care. Gotta I want see it on, on the big, big screen. screen. Yep. This might be it, but I might be a few weeks behind you. That's fine. Well, so I this is where time. I'm going to step out yes. because I don't want to hear this yet because I haven't seen it. So Hoove has a few more things to talk about. So those of you that have not seen and do not like spoilers, you want to have it on. I want to go into a movie like this. Let me tell you my perspective. I don't even watch the trailers for this movie anymore. It's the number one movie in the box office, the new Bond movie. I don't care. I don't want to see it because it gives things away. And I don't want to see a really cool scene of Bond doing something that in the context of the film takes place after a scene where you really are like, I don't know if he's going to make it out of this. Well, you know he will because you, that really cool shot you see in the trailer hasn't happened yet. You know it's still coming, so you know he's going to escape from the, you know, the sharks with mackerels and lasers on their head, you know, like <laughs> Dr. Evil. So I don't want to see him anymore. I want to go into a movie completely ignorant and let it unfold before me where I can think what I think in the context of what's happening in the theater and not be influenced by this and that. So, spoilers, I'm going to walk away, and Hoove, from this point forward, will have some major spoilers, so if you haven't seen the movie, and you don't want to know, you might want to do the Dave and say, thanks everybody! Yeah, so here we go, we'll, we'll cut it here, three, two, one. Alright, so I saw No Time to Die just two days ago, it was Saturday evening that I got a chance to see it, and so I've had some time to be able to think a little bit about the movie since then. And the movie has grown on me since I went and saw it. I think it's very good. I wouldn't necessarily put it in the Casino Royale, Skyfall kind of stratosphere at this point, but I think it is a very, very good movie, and it is a very good conclusion to Daniel Craig's run as James Bond. So... Obviously, the big thing from the movie is the ending. James Bond is dead. And that's why now there's a wealth of possibility as far as where the series could go moving forward in the future. Um, there's a lot that, that could open up in terms of where things go next and what they want to try to do next. But I thought it was a great ending to what's been really an emotional arc of James Bond movies here with Daniel Craig's run as the character, and this one hit home in the same kind of way. I thought that overall, it it came together pretty well. Um, Craig again was was terrific. I, I mean, it was a really good way to close it out. I thought there was more humor 
in this movie than in some of the the recent ones. Like and and outright humor where they tried to be really funny, where it wasn't maybe just very subtle or kind of slid in there as a very wry humor. I don't think I necessarily liked that they leaned into it as much as they did at certain portions of this movie, but I liked that there was that there was a bit of that that was involved and and it was pretty good. There were times where it seemed like there was a lot that was getting crammed into to this movie and that's a lot to say of a movie that was pretty long overall, but it felt like there was there was a ton going on as far as a lot to cram in, a lot of people to fit in and a lot of action to fit in as well. It almost seemed like th- this had less in terms of substantial dialogue and really like significant hard-hitting dialogue and more in regard to to the action parts that were going on with this movie. That that's kind of the feeling that I that I took away looking back on it afterward. But the concept of the movie took a little bit of time for me to come around on, but now that I think about it more, I think it worked pretty well. Um and that's where thoughts on Safin um, Rami Malek's character come in a little bit more too as far as how effective his villain was but there were times where I was a little bit bothered during the movie about the way that it was all playing out and just how much was getting stripped away here I mean for instance Felix Leiter gets killed oh man there there goes there goes a major side character who's been a part of the Bond series for such a long time he's gone Spectre is destroyed I mean, I kept thinking at some point, there's going to be some way that these guys come back or we find out that this is all a ruse. No, they're all gone. They actually all get wiped out, including Blofeld himself by Bond, who actually ends up doing it to him um, by accident in the end, although he certainly was trying to choke him to death prior to that. But we find out with this this virus strain that gets created, these nanobots that get created here, it actually does wipe out all of Spectre, and then you see then what the plan is as far as how this is going to be something very significant to the rest of the world. But as far as the concept of how Safin was developed and, and how the the concept of the villain in this movie was developed, it actually ended up making some decent sense in the end the more that I thought about it, because here's a guy who had been directly impacted by the actions of Spectre, with his family getting assassinated by Mr. White, which explains his origin. And you see this idea of how one person, affected by the actions of other evil characters, ends up becoming evil himself and going after those at the heart of all of this in Spectre. Now, as far as stretching that out into, well, I want to actually take down the rest of the world in this regard and go after them, I think the logic there becomes a little bit more stretched, as does the logic of, well, why would he go and save Madeline Swan then, especially when she tried to kill him? I I mean, he goes and then decides to save her, and then that's it? Nothing comes from that after after all of that's done? Plus, we don't really get a full explanation of, well, you know, did he have like a bulletproof vest on, which he must have, I suppose, um, as far as why he didn't get killed? Why is it that that he looks like he's got this superhuman blood about him? Almost, he almost has a look that's like that. I don't know. Um, 
there's a lot that that's left to be unexplained as far as like the timing of everything. Like, was he like a teenager when he had come to the White House? He must have been when he came at that point. What was the deal with the mask? I mean, why did he go with that? Was that just for an intimidation kind of thing? I suppose that's what it ended up being with all of that in the end. But that was maybe my biggest gripe was was Safin and his character. That's no knock on Rami Malek, who I thought played it with a great deal of malice as well as intimidation. But there are a lot of holes slash unanswered threads in terms of his story, his background, and being able to really flesh out his character a lot more and make him into more of a stout villain in the end. Um, I, I thought his sidekick, that that scientist, was um, kind of ridiculous. I thought that was a, a very cheap sidebar attempt to be funny that was in there too, and it was just very over the top, um, unnecessarily so, uh, with, with his character. Um, and then the guy who, who jumps jump sides there from Spectre and over to Safin's side was a little bit hard to follow as well. The guy with the, the glass eyeball, I, I thought that ended up, well, the robotic eyeball, I thought that ended up being a little, a little bit of a stretch, um, again, in that regard too, but a, the movie got a lot of different things, right? Um, Lashana Lynch's character, uh, Nomi, they, that was pretty cool getting, getting her in there as far as the role that she played with being the person to step into the 007 role. And then it's only a number. Very significant there. That that could be very significant moving forward, too. It's only a number. Maybe there was a point that was that was trying to be made in there, too. Um, it was fun seeing Ana de Armas' character get worked in there as well. And again, there's, there's possibility, I think, moving forward with maybe they could do something fun on the side with, with those characters and, and with those roles. And maybe they could go a, a streaming route with something like that. They've left some threads and some possibility out there with, with those roles. Um, it was interesting watching M's role in all of this and, and how he's seemingly made a deal with the devil here in terms of being trying to weaponize this, this project and, and what they tried to do with it and then how it ends up blowing up in his face. Surprise, surprise. It ends up going horribly wrong in terms of how it gets used. I didn't think they, they really developed that part all that well. They kind of, they kind of dropped that in there without really fleshing it out in full detail, maybe as well as some of what they did in Skyfall in that regard. They didn't I don't think they fleshed out those those details of how this this project came about, maybe quite as well in this movie. But again, I I think that spoke to the fact that there was a lot that seemed to be going on that they tried to cram into this movie, even though it was a very big movie and a very long movie. Um it seemed like at times there was just almost too much going on, jumping from one thing to another, that we didn't get enough dialogue. And and good dialogue is, I think, part of what makes Casino Royale and Skyfall as good as what they are as movies, is there's a lot of good helping dialogue to go with the action set pieces. There There's a lot that, that gets fleshed out in terms of discussion um, that I think was maybe missing a little bit at times, Within this movie, now there were exceptions. For instance, with with Safin and his discussion with Madeline Swan, when she realizes this is who he is, and some of the conversation there, I, I thought there was there was a real chill and intimidation factor to that. Um, even a little bit later on, too, when when Bond is in face to face with Safin as well, there's there's a little bit of that that goes on too. Um, but of course, then there's there's the factor of Bond's family 
and how significant that becomes. Not a huge surprise there, even when, when Madeline was saying he's not yours um, as far as Bond's daughter. Not a big surprise to see that she really did end up becoming the daughter of James Bond and, and how significant that, that ends up being in the end, as well as just their connection and the fact that Bond was willing to give love a chance again. Although, boy, uh, it ends what's a pretty tragic cycle in the end here with, with Daniel Craig's Bond character, with the choice that he has to make at the end, which I was a little a little frustrated at, like, that's that's how he goes in the end, is through poison and, and through this through this particular strain that's there like there it it didn't really like that whole concept i mean think about the way that this strain had already spread by this point i, I mean we are led to believe that hey if there's no way to be if there's no cure to be able to resolve this well then isn't this just going to spread from person to person through relationships with other people like and and the connections that they have to them i mean you have to quarantine people away and that they won't I mean, they won't be able to be with their loved ones unless you would have to quarantine them and then they have to be dead. I mean, there's there's a thread that's there, too, where I'm like, I'm, maybe I don't fully understand that at this point. But anyway, all that to say that it was a little sad slash disappointing that that was the way Bond had to go. But it came in in somewhat of a little bit of a circular pattern of, you know, it's at a, at a missile silo where he, you know, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Dr. No at the very beginning where it's, a, new, a missile silo, and he's opening the chambers there to let missiles in, and this is where he goes, you know, kind of similar to a little bit of that um, in that regard, you know, bringing it full circle back to Dr. No, I suppose, in in terms of closing this arc, or as far as what we know James Bond to be. But, you know, I was a little disappointed that, that that's how it ended up being his end. But again, it ends up becoming in, a, in an act of heroic sacrifice, so... There's there's a lot of positive to take from that in terms of a very heroic end to take away from it all. Um, as far as other things, um, it was it was pretty well shot overall too. I mean, great action sequences. Again, I thought they they did a little bit too much in terms of going the action movie route. It felt more like a, a Bourne movie, a Jason Bourne movie than a than a Bond movie in some ways, um, just because it went from action piece to action piece to action piece, sometimes almost almost at a constant rate and at a constant speed. But I thought the emotional punch of the movie was quite significant, again, with the factor of Bond and his family. And I mean, you, you want to believe at a certain point in the movie that, like, hey, he's got a future here with Madeline Swan and with his daughter to, to look forward to. But you keep on thinking, what's going to fall through here? Is it going to be them? Or is it going to be maybe, possibly him? Although you don't have any reason to think it would be him based on how the, this series has gone. But, of course, this changed things a little bit. Well, more than a little bit. Quite a lot with how it ended. I thought in terms of the music, you could tell that it was a Hans Zimmer score. You could definitely tell it was a Hans Zimmer score. Um, there, was, there were some cool things that they did, though, with the music. I loved that they revisited so many different factors of On Her Majesty's Secret Service, whether it was with We Have All the Time in the World um, and bringing... They brought that in early in the movie, too, when when Bond is with Madeline um, and and they're off in Italy. I was surprised at at when they brought that in, but I was really excited when when I heard that instrumental there in the background. And then, of course, they brought it back at the end with the beautiful Louis Armstrong piece and having that close the movie out. Um, and of course 
we have all the time in the world. That beautiful line, that sad line, that bit of melancholy in that line. But, you know, again, it was a very fittingly emotional movie to close out a series of Bond movies that had that touch of emotion about them and had that extra bit of gravity about them in terms of the um, the heart and having a little bit more of that to a Bond movie. Something that we hadn't really seen in a long time, maybe since On Her Majesty's Secret Service to this extent, which I, I, I mentioned earlier in the podcast. I love that movie. And I hope that this movie will give people either renewed or a new sense of appreciation for that movie and how good it is. Um, I, I loved that they that they had quite a few tie-ins to to that movie and in that regard. Um, some very overt, some a little bit less so. So I, I think it's a very, very good movie, um, and there's a, there's a lot to like. Again, I, I think the concept and the logic behind Safin had some some holes that were in it, some significant ones. But again, I think his motivation and, and the ripple effect of evil and good and the impact on his own life with Spectre and such, I think that ended up being a very interesting kind of, of way to create his origin. But I think they could have done more as far as being able to help his origin more. I'm sad that Felix Leiter is gone. Um, again, it was it was sad to see him go too, and in his manner that he did as well. That was that was sad. Um, but again, I, I feel like there could have been some more dialogue that would have helped be able to to really put the stamp on this movie, rather than as much action as there was having a little bit more dialogue in there and and constructive dialogue to being able to help this. But. Um, overall, a very, very good and very emotional send-off to the Daniel Craig era of the James Bond movies with No Time to Die. And I am looking forward to getting to go back and, and see it again and be able to develop some more thoughts on the movie, too. So, thanks for joining us today for Rick and Nick Talk Flicks, sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. We will indeed see you at the movies. 